Mel. Said. Two writers talking shit. Back at it again. New episode. Another killer episode. Literally. Literally killer. We have Sade Sellers. She has a short called Picture, which is fire, that I got to see. And uh, it's funny because, well, first off, side note, Kayla Guest, our producer, is also a producer on your film, so you know it's fame. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, But I knew you off of Twitter before, though. Yeah. You were definitely a part of, she was definitely a part of screenwriter Twitter. Yeah. Is this our first time meeting in person? In person, yeah. Because we were on, like, we've been on, like, interview things before and, like, on panels before. Like, Zooms and. Yeah, Zooms. (laughs) So this is. This no. is like, well, yeah, you know, with, and it, this this is super dope. So, but it doesn't feel like that. No. It feels like I've known you forever. Forever. It's crazy. It's what to, everyone says. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's the cool thing about Twitter. Uh, and I don't know how it was for you. Maybe you could speak on this. I know now it's called X, but let's just talk about mm, yeah. before. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I got a lot of connections and meeting people. It was like a thriving thing, maybe like during COVID. How was it for you? Um, Twitter became like Twitter and then uh, what's the one that opened up was just audio oh yeah Clubhouse oh wow Clubhouse we just blew out the mics with that sorry well Clubhouse especially because I was so resistant to get on Clubhouse because I was like get on I was like I refuse and then I got on it and actually built a huge community for mm-hmm. Afro horror on yep. Clubhouse where we started having rooms talking about black horror films and black identity and horror. Yep. And my mission during that time was like, okay, I need this to exist without me. Mm-hmm. Eventually I, I don't want to do this every night. And it does. And it's still a community and there's still a bunch of people that are on Clubhouse in Afro horror rooms, which yep. is Wait, my podcast. Clubhouse still exists? Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's I still, still have it's the still app. Going. Yeah, it's still going. Oh. Yeah. And people are there and they're chatting like i found my cpa on clubhouse she does what? my taxes now <laughs> like it was it was a great i mean and for twitter yeah i mean because being a writer the advice it, it, there's so much different advice and mm-hmm. some of it is awful yeah most of it is awful so being able to go on twitter and go you guys what is this and someone actually honestly answer you and yeah. you're like okay cool that feels better than listening to some idiot on youtube who has never written anything mm-hmm. in their lives yeah have you always been a fan of horror and what were some of the early memories of horror that mm-hmm. kind of got you into it? Yeah. I was not a fan of horror what? growing up. No, I was terrified. I, my earliest memory is my cousin, Charlie, who I love dearly, but he was a menace. He was, he's three years older than me and he would torture <laughs> me and my sister. Well, sure. And the way he would torture me is to lock me in my mother's room because my at the time hello 90s babies at the time we didn't have tvs in our room <laughs> you had to Facts. go to our mother's room if yeah. we wanted to watch tv <laughs> and it was one of those white tvs that had like the vhs like yes, yes. yes. the video attached yes. i dreamed of having one of those of my own <laughs> a little white box and yeah. then like the, like if like if i would see that in someone's room i'd be like brat yeah exactly and he would he got a chucky vhs okay and he'd pop it in and he'd lock me in my mother's room with the chucky vhs playing and i would cry and i'd scream until my mom had to be like let her out 
on? <laughs> and yeah. so, but it wasn't until um, I went to college in 2007. I went to Michigan State University. Okay. And watching horror growing up, I always did it with my sister because it was her and my grandma's thing. Like my grandma Bobby and my sister, that's how they bonded. No way, your mm-hmm. grandma was into horror. My grandma was super into horror and would show it to my sister. And then I would be at my grandma's house too. So I wanted to be around. So I'd just be in the living room, like covering my eyes. Like I hated it. Mm-hmm. But when I went to college, I missed my grandma and I missed my sister that it became like a way for me to like connect with them That's because dope. I they weren't around mm-hmm. and then it became an obsession and my sister now if she listens to this she'll go you weren't even the fan of horror. It was always me. Like, why are you getting so successful in it? Uh, yeah. and I'm like, that's just how it happens. Yeah. So what was, what was the horror movie that like turned you into a fan? Oh my gosh. I mean, Chucky has such a soft spot <laughs> in my heart for the torture it put me through because yeah. you know what? Rewatching Chucky later on, you go, Oh, this isn't that bad. Like, what was I so afraid of? So that right. felt like a big moment where I conquered that fear. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. I would have nightmares that I have twin brothers. And when they were born, I've had nightmares that one of them was Chucky. Mm-hmm. And I would walk into the room and try to tell everyone like, this is an imposter. This is a doll. And they're like, this is your brother. <laughs> and, and I was so terrified of dolls that my grandma got us these really rare porcelain dolls. Oh. And I oh, smashed. Shit. It. I was. That's how terrified the it was. Dolls are creepy, especially ones with mm-hmm. the porcelain face. The porcelain doll I, face. Get yeah, out of here. So I broke it. This very <laughs> precious antique doll that my grandma gave to me. I smashed it because yeah. I told her it was an accident, but I, I, I killed it. Yeah. Um. So to so that movie, to me, getting over being mm-hmm. afraid of that movie felt like a big win. Like yeah. I had just conquered a huge fear. Yeah. So and then from then on in your life, in my life, I was like, I can kind of survive anything. Mm-hmm. Like fear wow. is just kind of in my head that's tight, <laughs> that's tight. so like getting over a fear of Chucky kind of really empowered you in yeah. these other parts of your life yeah it did mm. so were you always writing horror or mm. is this something like that you kind of got into recently no once I decided I wanted to make movies mm-hmm. um and that was I was eight years old when I decided I wanted to make movies I saw Jurassic Park Okay. And I was like, okay, this Classic. is it. I, I want to do. And it was actually Lost World Jurassic Park. It was the yeah. second one. Because yeah. I was too young for the first one to see it in theaters. But I was old enough to see the second one in theaters. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I want to make movies. And I didn't know. I was, what, eight or nine? I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what this is called. Yeah. Like, thriller. I didn't know at the time it was like horror, thriller, or sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to make movies like this. Like, mm-hmm. I get people excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I dropped out of Michigan State to move to LA that I got really serious about it. And I was like, okay. And that's when I was really into horror already because I had already, you know, mm-hmm. deep dived into it with my sister. And I was like, yeah, I want to tell scary stories because I'm afraid of everything Mm -hmm. so it's actually funny um i i was talking to my therapist about it i have a huge anxious attachment issue Mm. where like i will think of the worst thing possible to happen and we were unpacking why i do that and no offense to my mother she didn't intentionally mean to do this but she did it Mm -hmm. when we were growing up you know my mom's a single mom with two little girls this is way before my brothers were born so it was like a woman in the house with two little girls Mm -hmm. and the one thing she would say to us so we could stay out of trouble is just think of the worst imaginable thing Mm -hmm. that could happen (laughs) to you and so as a little girl she's like so if you want to you're thinking about walking home alone if you're thinking about going to a party and being by yourself think of the worst thing that can happen to you Right. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's and a the, horror movie right there. That's yeah. actually a great concept for a horror. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it's also how anxiety happens. Mm-hmm. So I carried right. that with me. And now every time I'm even walking outside, I'm like, what if a, di- a demon was there? What if a car got an accident? What if this right. thing started walking? You know, so yeah. it's helpful for my creativity. But now I'm, I'm trying to unpack it for therapy as well. <laughs> 
That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. My mom's actually the exact same way. Mine too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so crazy. And it's like my brother and I, we will make fun of her because we, we could be anywhere, any scenario, mm-hmm. anywhere. And we'll be like, what's the worst thing that the could happen right, happen right now? And it's yeah. just like, this, she's like, well, <laughs> I have let me one. tell you. <laughs> she's like, let's get into it. Yeah. Let me tell you. And then when the worst thing that can actually happen happens, like my, both my grandmothers mm-hmm. passed away within two years, I said, well, that's it, right? Like it can't right. get any worse, any worse than yeah. that. So you've kind of faced, so everything else is just in your imagination. Like, let's just face it, you know? Mm. But um, sorry, mom, you, yes, you caused my anxiety mm-hmm. and action, but you also caused my creativity. So every time I sit down for a scene, it's like, we could go A, B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but what's the most like unexpected decision we can go in? So it, it's, it's helpful because I'm always sitting down, especially in horror going, how do I do a subversion? How can I do a reversal? Like, how can I lead my audience here? And then be like, holy, I love horror mm-hmm. movies like that. Mm-hmm. But Get Out was such a subversion. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. that's what this movie's about? Like, you thought it was just some random racist, like, white people, yeah. like, they're taking their bodies? Like, it was, yeah. I love that. So, um, it's helpful. I, I will admit, even even in your short, I was shocked by the by the end part of what, like, I, how much can I talk about, can, how much can I talk about this short? I, let me, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, well, I, I, well, but let me say this. I'll just speak of it We're like this. We're super protective. All right, that's cool. No, but I, I'll just <laughs> say, so, I, one thing that's tight, though, is that mm-hmm. something, I'll say, something happens at the end of the short, mm-hmm. which everybody I see picture. Thank you. Um, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Like, for the character, yeah. the female character, yes. to do that. Yep. And so, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, when you talk about, like... And, you know, and, and it was good without that. Like mm-hmm. when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is good. Like, Thank but you. that was that twist yeah. where it was like, oh, shit, I didn't expect that. That and was so, always yeah. in the beginning. Was it? Like, yeah. That was from the, well, the the short started out as two pages. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was actually my DP, Damari Butler, who's also one of my best friends. He's born literally the day after me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he said, if we're going to do this. Because I brought him to my house and I said, I want to start making my own stuff. I can't wait. I actually wrote that short um, to pitch to Fox, what the, Fox Digital. Remember Fox Digital when they did um, yeah. Hulu Halloween shorts, Halloweens, oh. um, and they 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 said, "Hey, we want to hear five pitches mm-hmm. uh, with you and a director." So I had my director was Marika Mornika Jolia. Sorry, Mornika. Um, she directed my first movie, Deadly Dispatch. So okay. I said, "Would you come with me? Because you're more senior than I am, and be my director and pitch." And we pitched five, and Picture was one of those pitches, and they they didn't take any of them. Oh, sure. Um, okay. So three years went by, and I was looking at my computer, and I was like, "These are good shorts. Like yeah. these are mm-hmm. they're two minutes. They're really easy." So I said, "Damari, I want to shoot all of these mm-hmm. and make Afro Horror House, which yeah. is just like." Like you know, yeah. my little studio version of whatever. Like, that's such a good name, yeah. Afro Horror House. Yeah, that is you. such a good name. Thank you. Oh, and we're still working on it, by the way. <laughs> but um, Damari said, "Look, if we're gonna do two minutes, let's do ten. That's, that's Why not? a good yeah. Day. yeah. So he encouraged me and pushed me. He found one of the locations that this vintage store that oh, we yeah. shot in. He found yeah. it, convinced them to let us shoot there, negotiated, and then he said, "Go to the store and write." the rest of the film. So I went to the store, I walked around and I said, what can I do in the store? And I wrote the rest of the film to make it 10 minutes. But that ending was the ending in the original in the two minutes. It was always supposed to be like that. 
because that's what Fox Digital's like mandate was. Yeah. Like it had to always have a subversive twist at yeah. the end. Mm. I, I thought that was tight. Um, but wh- bringing it back a little bit, where did the overall idea for picture come from? Yeah, this is, thank you for asking, because it's something I've been keeping secret for a long time. Oh, okay. Even when, I don't think when I approached Kayla, I actually told her no. where they it. <laughs> <laughs> Give so, us the tea. Yeah. I am now an out and proud gay woman. But but it took 33 years. And so um, because I didn't want to come out when my grandmothers were alive, because I knew it would break their heart. And um, to me, there's no one more important on this earth than those people. So Mm -hmm. when they passed, um, I was finally like, oh, okay, maybe I can take some for them. My mom was grieving, so I was like, oh, let's just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but writing picture was about <laughs> how I would look at my... <laughs> Look at photos of myself in my youth and go, God, she's gay. Mm. <laughs> and and um, like, there's a That's photo tight. of me on my Instagram. And I'm I'm on a floor hockey team in the center, <laughs> like all these bo- surrounded by all these boys, and it's just yeah. me and my gay ass, just like hello. And so That's every tight. photo I took, I could see it, and mm. I always thought other people could too and I was like oh my gosh you're like in the closet but you're screaming mm. lesbian mm-hmm. so writing pictures <laughs> that's a lesbian there mm-hmm. um so when I wrote picture it was just like I always felt like something was haunting me in my photos that's fine. and I couldn't figure out what it was and I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it and it just felt like it get closer and, and that's kind of feels like mm. what, feels like coming out mm. if you've never if you're gay and you're listening to this I think you understand mm-hmm. coming out being in the closet it just feels like every decision you make every day that goes by it gets closer and closer to you coming out you're like oh should I come out now like it feels like a safe moment oh no no, no not safe here not safe mm. here so um, that's where the idea of a picture came Sorry. I used the creature in the film to be my coming out like monster wow. it was just like stop being gay <laughs> photos fine. and be gay in real life so. it's really poetic i really thank love you. that explanation thank you for sharing thank that you. with us and when we shot the movie i wasn't out so i wasn't ready to tell people that wow. so i just said oh it's like you know when you take pictures and you right. <laughs> leave a little piece of your soul and everyone's like okay yeah. what does that have to do with you and i was like nothing just <laughs> just a cute little horror film mm-hmm. and then i was like it's probably time to tell people what the movie is actually about That's maybe fun. it'll connect a little bit better and it has people really responded well mm, to it i think yeah. when we went to uh holly fest that was the first holly time shorts. holly shorts this is the first time we even announced to the public that it was so that's what the film is about and i hope anyone like you can't tell no. why watching it right because yeah. that's the point like yeah. you can't tell it's the queer coming out film yeah. but i can tell mm. um because I know, and because um, uh, the point is, sometimes like people see me and they're like, "You're gay," and I'm like, "Yeah, gay doesn't look like <laughs> it come in whatever form, <laughs> come yeah, in a lot of forms." And I, I know I'm protected a lot because mm-hmm. I look like a straight passing woman mm-hmm. that I don't get a lot of things that my mask presenting friends get. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really wanted for the movie is just like you don't know what's behind this film. You just you just think you're watching, and because that's the point. I wanted everyone to see this character as a human. She's just a human for sure. at the end of the day, like gay, straight, young mm-hmm. girl, black, mm-hmm. or whatever. She's a human going through a thing, and that's my biggest struggle when talking to people about being gay. It's just like I haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. Your perception of me has changed. I, I haven't changed. I'm still the same person. Yeah. So. Now, is the short, is it a proof of concept for a feature? Yes, absolutely. It was always intended to be, all of the shorts that are in Afro Horror House were always meant to be features, or or will be features. I'm going to claim that. Um, But I don't have money. (laughs) So, and making horror shorts, 
it's not easier by any means, mm-hmm. but it um, it gets a better traction at festivals. Mm. I would say I get more opportunities. Speaking of funding, mm-hmm. so did you self fund this or did you <laughs> crowd crowdfund? How did you make it? I stopped crowdfunding after 26 because <laughs> I think my family and friends were sick of me going, mm-hmm. hey, I got this new movie. And they're like, okay, girl, like we have real bills. Yeah. <laughs> it, starts to, it starts to feel like you're like selling for an MLM or something. Seriously. It starts to feel like you're shilling like essential oils. It was getting, yeah. it was hard going back, especially like your mom and your uncles and your aunts to yeah. go like, so I'm making another film. Like, well, what happened in the last one? I was yeah. like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, they're like, no. You're like, absolutely nothing. Yeah. But, you, nothing. but let me try again. Let me try again. Facts. So, I stopped crowdfunding and I said, you know, because at first it was two minutes. So I was like, mm-hmm. I can do this. Like mm-hmm. me and Damari together could do this. And and so it's self-funded with a lot of help from Kayla. Thank God. Oh. Um, and then the casting director, Leah Daniels Butler, providing in-kind services for her mm-hmm. casting. Right. And once we got name cast, the budget went up. Yeah. So I literally called Kayla, I think honestly a week before we were shooting because we had a dilemma. We had Jalen Hall just uh-huh. off of... Um, that's Till. a kid. That's a kid, mm-hmm. right? The black kid. The black, yeah, the, the young black actor. Yeah. Um, Till Emmett Till, yeah. Both of them was good. Yeah, and Danielle Gelati, and um, J- Danielle lived here in LA, so it was no big deal. But Jalen's from Atlanta. Okay. Jalen was already shooting another movie, and he had <laughs> this small window of time, two days, right? Mm. And and because they're a name actor, their agents were not playing around. They're right. like, he needs mm. first class ticket for right. him and his mother because he's fifteen. Whoa. And at that time, literally, we're still negotiating with them on a Friday yeah. to try to get them to fly in on a Sunday. Two oh, days. Oh, so y'all were oh. shooting on Sunday, and you're negotiating. We were shooting on Monday. Monday. Oh. And we needed him here on Sunday. Oh, so yeah. when you're looking at the tickets, and they only fly Delta, because yeah. God forbid I put them on Spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no Spirit. <laughs> there's yeah, no first class. Sure. There's no first class. Spirit. Seventeen hundred dollars a ticket. One seat on Spirit. Yeah. There's no class. There's no class. So the tickets were seventeen hundred dollars a piece, and the only stipulation their agent gave us was you can get them that first class ticket he'll be there and so i called kayla and i said hi i know you just recently left your job (laughs) and you want to be an ep and i know you're unemployed but do you have twenty five hundred dollars you want even like that you just asked me yeah that's true people i did i did i didn't want to ask uh for what i actually needed because that's my problem i said do you know anyone like this it's the name actor like this is all i need and she came through in a clutch and damari our dp again put his card down and we got them there that's tight It, it makes a difference like you know like you know, because, you know, I haven't shot a lot of shorts, but I have seen a lot of shorts. Mm-hmm. And it's like one thing I really love about your short, besides the story or whatever, is just like the acting between them. Yeah. Like as soon as it came on, I was like, oh, this is like for real. Like, yeah. like you know what I mean? And yeah. I think sometimes people are doing shorts and like, like the, you know, you have to cut corners. You don't really yeah. get a real actor. Yeah. Like, you know, you got your friend doing it. And it's like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But. It does make a difference in the performance. The wow. acting will turn your tiny little short right. into yeah. nothing very quickly. Man, listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and with Leah, so I worked for Leah for a year. She casted, that's not a word. She cast my cast, guys. Don't say casted. She cast <laughs> Deadly Dispatch. And then I worked with her um, at her production company. And I never asked her for a favor. Because mm-hmm. I knew, I was like, mm-hmm. one day you're going to really need her. And so mm-hmm. don't ask for like little stuff. And then I called and I said, I'm, a- I'm asking for my favor now. I have this short. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 10 minutes. Your son is mm-hmm. <laughs> DPing on it. Mm-hmm. And she read it. And the funny part is, I thought... And this is, again, this is how life works out great, but also I need to also communicate better <laughs> as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I assumed she was going to give me 18 to look younger. So I wouldn't have to deal with like child mm. actors. She was like, Oh no, here's two 16 year olds. Oh, wow. Just like in the script. And I was like, Oh, that's tight. now I have to deal with SAG right. and child labor laws and, right. and things like that. Yeah. But if, I'm not going back to Leah Daniels and saying, Oh no, I want to, you got me two actors. I'm taking them. Thank you, Leah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, this is like a great note for any like first time directors out mm-hmm. there that like, using like a name casting director can bring a lot of like cachet and credibility to your project that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What advice would you have for a writer out there who's like, I want to write and direct a short? Yeah. The writing part's the easiest, right? Cause that's what you're used to. Um, right. now the thing is, writers tend to have some sort of disdain for directors because they always think directors are trying to change but directors <laughs> there's a reason why they're directors and yeah. it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with shots or making the movie it has to do with management mm. and knowing how to handle 20 to 30 different personalities okay. on a small set versus like you know if you're you know Spielberg you're handling a thousand different personalities yeah. I think the key to writers because you're so secluded from uh, working with other people and collaborating because you're writing unless you have a writing partner mm-hmm. is that you have to learn how to be a manager because that's all directing really is at the end of the day because as long as you have everyone in their place who knows how to do their job your movie will be great mm-hmm. um, if they tr- and you trust your vision and be mm-hmm. a clear communicator which is what I'm still working on mm-hmm. and I think that translates into like relationships as well by the way everybody mm-hmm. like <laughs> What's the, <laughs> trust me, um, what I think in my head, if it doesn't come out in my mouth the way I'm thinking, everyone's going to get confused. Mm. So I've been working on trying to be a clear communicator. Like, this is what I'm envisioning and how can I let everyone on my team know that without getting frustrated that they can't read my mind. Mm. Um, so that's my biggest tip is like learn how to be a negotiator, a manager, and a clear communicator because when you're a writer, you're so much in your own room by yourself and it makes sense to you because mm-hmm. you're it's out of your brain onto the computer. But you have to explain that same idea multiple times to multiple different people who mm. may need a little bit more that's the hardest part so let's say you're a writer and you haven't directed anything yet you want to mm-hmm. take the leap you're going to start with a short it's like what is the first step right because a lot mm-hmm. of writers are like say you said wanting to take control um just make it happen you know so yeah. it's like is the, is the first thing i'm doing like looking for a producer is the first thing i'm doing looking for a location that's specific to a script like oh what's the first thing find i'm doing producer. find a producer i think shonda rhyme said this in her mm. workshop i don't know if you ever watch her masterclass. Yeah, she amazing. said if you're a writer find a non-writing producer it mm. will save your life and mm. i took that to heart like a non-writing producer meaning someone who's actually not interested in being a writer who just wants to be a producer and mm. can focus on that mm-hmm. um because that, seriously guys if you're please take this advice find a producer find a non-writing producer right away mm-hmm. and they're going to help you so much so you can actually focus on the directing and not all the lo- like locations and stuff i mean the first rule is write for what you can afford right, right. <laughs> like That's don't a big key. Yeah. don't write or write it's super like or what you have access film. to yeah right? what you have like, access to your like, friend owns a restaurant or your friend owns a restaurant. oh yeah, yeah you know two actors one room yeah yeah mm-hmm. all of that yeah. so shardy what would you say is the relationship between the writer and the non-writing producer Oh my gosh. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> I, I feel like what I, I don't know. What, I mean, for me, Kayla and Evelyn, it is such a mentorship thing. Mm. 
Like they held my hand. I mm. cried. Mm. I went through so many different emotions and frustrations. Everyone cries. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I wasn't sleeping. I was. They would remind me to sleep. They remind me to eat. They gave me water. That's like they were literally like mama bared me through this. Like you can do this. Like let's go do the next scene. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. um, the whole way. So for a non-writing producer and your writer, it really is like I want to say, not that they're all women. I just happen to work with all women, but it should be like a nurturing relationship where they're they are honestly taking care of you because you're the one that has to make the decisions at the end of the day and it's your vision Mm. so with evelyn and kayla they read the script and they're like what do you want to do how do you want this to look and they whatever i said they're like let's do that then and kept me on task Mm. kayla brought up something that is important is like you write it Mm. you shoot it then you got to edit it. Yeah. So yeah. like, how was that part of it? Like, is it, you know, cause I haven't directed yet something yeah. that I want to do, but like, is, is it really like you're writing again in the editing in a sense? Like, are, well, you're, you're seeing all the mistakes, all the yeah. things that you didn't get on the day that you should have, all the inserts. Like we had to go back to do inserts because I was okay. like, oh, we we okay. don't know how to transition to these scenes. So right. so that was that was actually really fun. Once we saw the rough cut, think and shout out to our editor Mayuri. We had mm-hmm. a lot of women on the set. That's dope. Um, Mayuri and the rough cut's always gonna suck. Okay. By the way, but yeah. she was like, I'm just gonna show you what is possible. What's here? Yep, what's yeah. here? And then once we saw that, she encouraged me to go back. She's like, get some inserts. Okay. And she actually encouraged me to go back and get some ADR from one of those scenes from uh, the vintage store male actor because okay. he was the only one I could actually get anyway. Everyone else was too busy. Um, She's like, I guarantee you're going to want it. You're going to need it. And yeah. so thankful, thankful to have people like her because any other editor could have just collected a check and been like, I don't care. Like, yeah. go. But she was like, no, I care. Mm-hmm. So we went back and the inserts are great because they're just me, Damari, and um, AP, one of our producers in my house, just like, okay, what can we grab without right. Danielle and Jalen here? <laughs> yeah. So like the camera on the floor and yep. pictures falling to the ground yeah. and like we just grabbed whatever we could and it made the film so much better. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to editing, yeah, you're rewriting you're, because all the mistakes, we ran out of time. Remember with kids, you have eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why I wanted 18 to look younger uh, you know, in, at first because I was like, hey, I could have 12 hours. I could have maybe 14. But with right. kids, you got eight. Yeah. It was a hard, and SAG showed up. But they, they came. Right. SAG showed up. And because every, we're all like, SAG never shows up. Just do the paperwork. They never, they showed up. And she stuck around for that day. And I was like, yo, thank God. Yeah, we were so nervous she was going to shut us down. We're in a house in Burbank, like in a two star. And she's like, okay. Yeah. So you, when you get to your edit, all the things that you didn't have time to do, or because this is indie filmmaking, like if I had, you know, Spielberg money, yeah, get the, the gang together and let's go reshoot. Shoot two more yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, but no, you you have to do what's left. So yeah, you're rewriting because you're like, okay, well, like one of the scenes I, I mentioned earlier where Kayla makes her uh, cameo, Debut, yeah. we had to condense that scene and it's actually my favorite shot of the whole film. Yeah. And um, as I'm describing it to Damari, he's like, are you sure this is going to work? Like, So if you haven't seen the film, it's a push-in dolly yeah. shot and we push in the foreground, the kids, and we go past them to get mm-hmm. to Kayla and I love that shot mm-hmm. and it came out of pure, we out of time. It was supposed to be two separate scenes and we're out of mm-hmm. time so now mm-hmm. we have to condense them. So what can we do? We got this dolly, let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, and but it sets up what happens later, yeah. which was needed. Yeah, it, you know that scene mean? was so important. We could yeah. not leave without that. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we had to. And then yeah. in the edit, same thing. Like We only had one 
shot of that push in where it was in focus. Oh, you had oh you had one take where you one had, one oh. take it was in focus. Oh, we wow. had many takes. Oh, but and the only, audio. Was, but you only yeah. had one that was in okay. in focus because okay, the rack yeah. focus. So, it's a rack focus. Thank God you had one. Thank that was, God. <laughs> yeah. Like it was. I was scared. Like yeah. I was like, oh my God, if we didn't have that yeah. take, we would have no movie. Right. So. All right, the the short is done. Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the? I mean, I know y'all had. I mean, I had wrote down like I saw y'all was Holly Shorts Chicago Horror Film Festival. So yeah, Bloody Peach Festival. Yes, yes. Picture's going on tour. It's going to Atlanta. Oh. It's going to Chicago at Fuck two yeah. black focused horror film festivals. Love it. Um, and I'm really excited and happy. It's been embraced. Yeah. Um, and Holly Shorts as well. Thank you, Holly Shorts, for embracing it. And we're still, you know, waiting on others. So we're taking picture across the country. I love it. <laughs> Going. Exciting. What What's uh What's next for you? What are you working on right now? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you still like? Yeah. What's next? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, once the strike <laughs> ended, my manager called me right of away. Like, what you got? <laughs> I know. What you got? He He whipped me in the show. Like, I don't want to say whipped, but. <laughs> No, he was serious. He was like, hi. And I was like, hi. He was like, did you have a good break? And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's like, you didn't write at all, did you? I was like, no. Yeah, none of us did, really. <laughs> but he was like, hey, hi, I need I need specs. I need yeah. I need work. So the first thing, like, picture has a feature done. I'm polishing oh, it. Um, we're getting, that's the main goal and objective is to get that done. Right. But I'm already working. Like, I was talking to a friend yesterday. I was like, I have this idea of, like a reverse Frankenstein and she worked it it out with me. She like listened to me in the car. I was like, I think it's this and this. So I think I'm going to start that. And then I'm working on like a werewolf black sorority TV show. I'm so excited for it. It's something I've been working on for years, but I think since coming out, it, it's better. Yeah. I actually think now I feel more authentic as a writer mm-hmm. that I'm out. So I'm like so. going back through all of my old specs and going, let's make this actually truthful because yeah. I'm writing all these straight relationships. Like yeah. I know what they are. Let's <laughs> let's make some of these sorority girls gay. Yeah, yeah. No, they, yeah, they're going to be lesbian, <laughs> yeah. werewolf, black sorority girls. So I'm so excited for that one. Um, so it's just keep writing and keep working. And I would love, you know, picture has its own little journey. It's not done by any means. And I should mention, by the way, Mm. one more big, like this little movie has big names attached to it. Anthony Parthner is a world renowned black composer and he's gay. He's a gay man. Like this is a man who's done the, or he's composed for Tish and symphonies in in London. And Mm -hmm. he's done the score for, um, Black Panther 1 and 2 yeah. Avatar 1 and 2 he does Whoa. the score That's and he's a friend of mine and I said I have this little movie so I'll do it <laughs> for free the yes. score was good thank, like yes lot. thank you wasn't like, it great that shit is key in horror movies he played too. 30 instruments on his own that's fire every, every instrument you hear on the score in our movie he played it with his bare hands he oh, rented shit. the whatever oboes and whatever <laughs> and we went to his studio and he played it for us and i cried i was like you put the same amount of energy in my little film as he would avatar 2 that's tight mm. you can't buy friendships like that so yeah. that's why your community is so important like he he makes millions of dollars on scores he doesn't need to we do this why are you doing this like are you sure you want to do and what happened was he's a huge horror fan he never gets asked to do horror pictures and i gotta say like we sat there and watched it Mm -hmm. without the dialogue with just just the score and like with maybe 
two little pickups, yeah. we could have had a silent, a silent film. Yeah, that's crazy. His, his sound is, you guys, if you can afford Anthony, hire Anthony Parther. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Just, and that well, was. The, a, the, the music is everything for horror. Oh my God, yeah. What, sure. Like, what is, what psycho without the screeching yeah. in the yeah. shower? And he created, it, it made the movie so much better. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, this movie's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, with wow, the score. Real. Before we go, we got uh, this one thing we do, which is what are the three things that you're really excited about that you're watching, reading, and listening to? So, first. <laughs> yeah. What are you watching that you really like? Um, so First Kill on Netflix, you guys, it's really great. Mm. Like, give it a watch. What are you reading that you really like? I'm more of an audiobook kind of girl. That's fine. Um, I'm really into celebrity biographies right now. Okay. And surprisingly, Paris Hilton's biography oh. is so gripping. And because she went through um, this like reform school, this mm-hmm. private school that was uh, I hope she makes it into a movie one day. If not, call me Paris. I'll I think, do it. I think it you got know picked it? up. It got no, picked up. Yeah, it just got picked up. Dang. Yeah. Dang. It just got yeah. Picked up. And they're yeah. abusing these kids. Yeah. Like they're they're it's a funnel. So these all rich people and they're troubled kids, right? Mm-hmm. So they take them to this boarding school mm-hmm. under the guise that they're gonna make them better. But these people were stripped naked. These are kids, stripped mm-hmm. naked, beaten, uh, abused, and because she's Paris Hilton, no one believes her. It's an amazing biography. Oh, it makes yeah. you look at her completely different and how yeah. we as a society destroyed this young girl and did mm-hmm. not believe she was molested. Like, please read that biography. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what are you listening to music-wise? Taylor Swift all day. I went to her Eras tour twice, once in Detroit, once in LA, and next week I'm going to the theater to watch it <laughs> for the third time. I'm, I'm going, yeah. You also went to the Renaissance and I went to Renaissance and I, I'm well rounded. Yeah. But Taylor Swift is literally on my shuffle every day. I don't go a day without listening to Taylor Swift. Well, look, we appreciate you being on here. Um, what is your Twitter? Give us the Twitter handles, the handles you want people to reach out to you that hear you on here. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at I am Sharday Sellers. And then I'm on Instagram at, at Sharday Sellers. Um, that's where I do the most. I'm trying to do the TikTok. I'm old. <laughs> I can't figure out how to do it. So there's like six videos on there, but yeah. it's fun. Um, yeah, reach out to me, DM me, don't pitch me. But that's, you <laughs> know, nice. like I can't do anything about that. Um, but also you're hiding all of the good things that you do. So why don't you talk about your social ripple effect really quick? I have a nonprofit called the Social Ripple Effect. We started um, during the protests of 2020 of uh, just protesting for Black Lives Matter. Um, and a transition into a voter um, transparency nonprofit, meaning we want to teach people my age and younger about the propositions in California and their laws and what how they affect you and your community and why it's important to vote because I really feel like there's a void in my generation millennials but also Gen Z no one cares to vote anymore they don't think it affects them it does um, and then it also branched off into a recycling program for clothes because if you guys don't know the clothes industry is the largest waste industry in our country and um, what hap- what we've done now is we'll go to showrooms or we work with Fabletics we work with um, um, fin, Finti, uh, shout out Rihanna, and we'll take all of their leftover products from their seasons that they're gonna trash anyway, mm-hmm. cut the tags off, and we give them to orphanages in Guatemala, or we give them to women's shelters here in LA, or trans centers for people who are looking for clothes they can't afford, or underwear, which is a big one. Um, and that is four years old now, and it's like my passion project outside of writing. Phenomenal. Fuck yeah, hell Thank yeah. You. Well, look, glad to have you here. See picture when it's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit her up and another episode of Two Writers Talking Shit, man. That's right, Said. Yes. See you next time. Peace. Bye.
Two Riders Talking Shit is an original podcast created by Melanie Mars and Saeed Crumpler. Our producer is Kayla Guest. Our audio engineer is T. Kelly. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you damn well please. All we ask is that you subscribe, rate us five stars, and give us a glowing review. If you're not going to give us five stars or any glowing reviews, then why even log on? Save your rants for an open mic. If you have any questions for us, and I do mean any, you can email us at twowriterstalkingshit at gmail.com. That's the number two, and then writerstalkingshit at gmail.com. See you next episode. Bye.